Welcome to the Strategy Show. We explore with real people how to develop and deploy strategies that work. We discover how they overcome obstacles along the way, balancing both achievement and fulfillment. We dive into the most powerful routines, tactics, and strategies and discover how they manage to stay fresh, strong, and happy. This is your host, Simon Severino. Welcome back to the Strategy Show. We are here today with Sabri Erigit, expert on strategy and productivity, managing partner of SID Partners and co-founder of Next Action Partners. Hi Sabri, how are you doing? Hi Simon, I'm doing well and nice hearing you. It's great to have you here. And uh, I will start with rapid fire questions if you yeah, cool. like. Yeah, I'm ready for that. So, who are the two people you influenced most and how would they describe you? Yeah, so um, my hypothesis is, uh, it's all hypotheses, um, <laughs> but I think the, 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 there were, uh, I hope also my wife and my family whom I'm influencing, but when I look on the, on more on a business perspective um, and on my, on the expertise, um, I think one of the people I influenced most was uh, my closest friend from school who was, uh, running a, um, a medium-sized uh, business and he runs through a, through a real job crisis, not being sure what his purpose is and never talked about pur purpose and such that things. And um, one day he didn't quite directly ask me for sparring, but somehow it started becoming a, a sparring session. And um, I had the feeling that I could really provide to him, and that's what he said, clarity and another perspective on, on his uh, issues, he then also managed to solve in a longer process, but he managed to solve it. Yeah, and if you would ask him how, how he describes me, I would say would say very energetic, um, radical, which sometimes I prefer consequent. Uh, and I hope he said that I'm tender. <laughs> what are you currently creating and why? Actually, um, I'm spending a lot of time uh, sitting with my partner, Detlef, at SIP Partners, and we are thinking about creating new business models. Uh, on the one hand, how to improve our business, the existing business, and on the other side, uh, how to get more into an um, invention part. And um, we feel that this is... Um, this is a this is a stretch, you know, to to look on how can you exploit the existing business on the one hand, and how can you find um, inventions on the other side and innovations. And this is what we are um, really spending a lot of time with. And I personally uh, do it because I think that the way of consulting and supporting people in strategy and in productivity has to change radically, um, and we have not done this change yet. What needs to change in your perspective? Um, when, when I see that people, that's what I learned from researchers, um, have an average time of 24 minutes a week for learning, um, then I think we have to find ways where people on the one hand can find, uh, that we have ways where people on the one hand find contents which they can consume rapidly and on the other hand, that we help them to, um, um, do we say decelerate, if you say getting closer, is that what, uh, slower, um, like 
yeah, that they also get into a deeper learning part and not only spending 24 minutes a week. That's that from the learning perspective. Um, and that we use more and more um, also the, the online opportunities we have. Uh, I, I think that uh, most companies, uh, including us, are only using um, a small part of um, what is possible by using modern tools for learning and for developing organizations and, and people. Mm -hmm. When you say 24 minutes on average for learning, do you mean reviewing what they have done and learning out of their action or learning something completely new on top? Um, I think, uh, so the, the research says that 24 minutes is that people consciously um, mm -hmm. say we are going to learn something new, which could also mm -hmm. build on what they know already, mm -hmm. uh, but gives a new perspective on it. So this is how I understood mm -hmm. the um, the part and um, or, or the research. And what I really feel is um, that that people need to extend their dynamic capabilities um, within the VUCA world. So because you know they have all this volatility and uncertainty, and everything is complex and it's going moving fast forward. And um, therefore, I think it's, it's very important that people get a that build dynamic capabilities. So how to handle um, business and challenges in a dynamic environment. Mm -hmm. So if the average is 24, I'm curious, how do you manage your time? So how much time do you allocate on, let's say, in the companies you run on doing strategy and, and learning from, from where you are and, and deciding on next steps and how much is operations or how, how do you structure mm -hmm. your time? Um, it's an interesting question, um, as I'm actually um, consciously in a transformation process for myself, uh, trying to get more time for strategy and less for operational stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, so I, I would say if, if I can manage to spend a day for each company um, to consciously and, and um, intensively think about strategy and business models and the development of the company and the people, um, uh, th that would be great. Um, that would be great, and this is what I'm aiming. Actually, I think I, I'm, I'm going around, um, let's say, a dedicated half day a month per each company. Mm -hmm. Dedicated half day a month. And uh, since you are a GTD expert, I have to ask you, how do you write it down in your calendar in order to, to really make it sacred? What, what you know it, I, the first thing um, I do is thinking about do I really need to put it into the calendar um, yeah. when, when I'm talking about the dedicated time of course it is in the calendar it's um, um, it's as solid um, as it is when I'm putting my my running sessions or my sport sessions or my family sessions into the calendar um, and I, I, I put them in and 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 um, I, I follow them because one of the um, most uh, un unsuccessful um, manners of me could be not following the calendar. So this is really what what I made what I made stick in the last couple of years uh, to follow the calendar. Once I have an have an entry there, mm -hmm. does that answer your question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And and now you have this dedicated time in your calendar. You managed to stick to it. 
what do you do in this in this half day are there a, is there a structure or a process or some even some models or tools that you find useful the 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 first thing um, i can do and what i um what, what i really use regularly is having a slow agenda um which i also do when i'm working with colleagues or also doing when i work for myself um for those one who don't know the, the, the flow agenda or the pent agenda. Um, this is a tool with, um, with five building blocks um, and it starts always with the purpose. So what is the purpose of, of the meeting or of the workshop you are doing? And um, because once I have the purpose of what I want to do in this half a day, um, it gives me much more clarity on what can I find out or what can I work out for the day as, let's say, tangible results which is the next building block. Once you have the, the purpose, you want the next building block and say, okay, what are the desired outcomes for today? And what kind of relevant input do I need? So I do it prior to the meeting, a couple of days earlier, um, to, to, to find out what do I need to have a, a really productive and joyful session um, for, for that half a day to make it um, yeah, yeah, uh, as good as possible. So you structure it on the go that same day on the on the purpose and on the goal yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if your products or services were gone who would miss them um, on the one hand I think people who aim for stress-free productivity and who are really looking on purpose-driven strategies um, I think these are the people who would hopefully miss it because um, I always try to link um, productivity with a stress-free factor because I think that people who are stress-free are much more productive and much more innovative and um, I'm sure that those people would miss it. <laughs> <laughs> When you say a purpose-driven strategy, what would, what would be the opposite or different kinds of strategies? Can you repeat the question? Sorry. When you say purpose-driven strategy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what would be the opposite? Problem-driven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> could be the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and and how do you how do you define purpose? And how do you do you craft the purpose? How do you find it and um, and make it clear and explicit? Mm. I, I was inspired by. Um, a, a book from the author Roy Spence. I don't know whether mm -hmm. you know him. I'm sure you know him. And he wrote a book that really inspired me. It's called It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For. And this is somehow also my mantra um, to say, you know, a purpose for me is to, to express as a person and also as an organization, what do I really stand for? And that goes far beyond EBIT. Um, and um, in my exercises, when I work with clients, I also work out with them what do I not stand for um, ah, so beautiful. this is what I'm looking for mm -hmm. and um, that, that helped me in my personal process when I ask myself what do I stand for what do I want that people think about me or talk about me and much more helpful for me was to think about what do I not want that they talk about me or think about me what do I not stand for beautiful question yeah. And um, you are a, an experienced 
corporate consultant and also entrepreneur and manager. Uh, if somebody would start consultancy, uh, which beginner's error would you say he or she should avoid? Um, to think that he or she could manage it without hard work and without, without questioning yourself every day. Um, what I mean with that is, sounds, sounds easy, um, what, but what I mean with that is that um, it is not important what I think about a strategy or, 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 or a project with a client, um, which is normal that I try to think, ah, this is what I would do, and much more to go into a, a, a real listening. It sounds so easy, but in a real listening and finding out what the, what the client really needs. And the biggest beginner fault, which I, I can say I, I, I also did sometimes, uh, various times, is that I fell in love with my own ideas. <laughs> and this is not a good starting point. <laughs> so always question yourself. Ideally. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is there anything particularly you changed your mind about lately? Um, there was some um, problem in the line. I just understood that if there is something which changed my mind during the last couple of years or something, can you repeat that? Yes, is there something um, you changed your mind about lately? Um, is there something I changed my mind about? Um, yeah, I changed my mind about, or I'm still changing because I'm, I'm, I'm quite not sure um, whether um, integrating perspectives and every perspective is always right or not. I thought it's very important that, that you accept and you allow every perspective um, which is in an organization or in a society and uh, given what happens in Europe and especially in Germany in the last couple of weeks, um, mm -hmm. I'm really thinking about does it really make sense um, always to fall into postmodernism and to think about uh, whether every perspective is right or not. This is what, what really drives my, drives my brain actually. Mm. What would you do with total financial freedom? Um, spending uh, much more love for my family and spending much more capacity of my brain for uh, having influence on um, on the ecosystem I, I live in and maybe that can influence somehow something in the world that I would do when I could have uh, total finance freedom, financial freedom. Beautiful. Powerful. Uh, what are the two books you love right now? I, um, I'm always impressed from a book by Fred Kaufman, which is called Conscious Business. Um, given that I know Fred personally and I I had the opportunity to learn a lot of him. Um, I, I still appreciate it. I still read it regularly or review it regularly. Another book which actually um, is really interesting is um, Leadership and Self-Deception. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's a uh, it's a very interest it's a very interesting book um, from the Arbinger Institute, um, and um, it it's about thinking that it's not the others in the box, but always yourself are in the box when you are not trying to to solve problems. And um, th th this I really like, um, and um, it really had deep implications on on my way of working and thinking. Uh, what do you mean when you say you are always in the box? Um, it, you know, I'm in the box in that context with that book. It's for me when, mm -hmm. when, um, when you are in a, let's say, in a conflict with a person or with a group, and um, yourself stay in that in your space and say, okay, so what did they do and what do they have to do to solve it, um, mm -hmm. rather than getting yourself in the player mode, uh, getting out of the silo or getting out of the box and uh, mm -hmm. trying to find a constructive solution together with, with people. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that also in strategy processes or also in life, this is my experience, um, whenever I close and, and, and I feel that um, people are not willing to see the other perspective, that it gets, um, that it gets more difficult and more conflictionary. Um, that doesn't mean that I have to accept the other perspective at the end, but it would really help me to understand, to have a real deep understanding um, of what the other side is thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is the idea I liked in both books, by the way. Also, Fred is talking a lot about this uh, victim and player mode things. Mm -hmm. Do you track fulfillment or do you track achievement or do you track both? Uh, yes, ideally I track both. And um, um, but yeah, As you mentioned earlier, I'm a um, um, I'm a GTD supporter, I'm a GTD fan, a Getting Things Done fan, and um, I, I really implemented, um, as I can feel, a stable and, and uh, um, a solid integrated system, a work-life system, um, which uh, helps me to track um, my business um, fulfillments and achievements as well as the private ones. And also those those topics which are still open. So what I do is I try to bring everything together at one point. And um, so I work with a special tool, but um, uh, or, or software. I, I'm using Evernote and OmniFocus on on a Mac. Um, but it's not about the system. At least it's about the attitude and the methodology. How to um, how to bring the things together and how to. Um, how to collect them and to avoid uh, collecting things and tasks and commitments on different um, at different places and trying more to be on on one place and tracking these things regularly um, this is what what I do and my secret sauce when you're asking for that is having a weekly review reviewing my my system and checking out what were my fulfillments and achievements and what did I not achieve in a week or what did I not fulfill which doesn't mean it's bad, but which um, gives me, um, let's say, again, a spotlight on what might be important and prioritized for the next week. And um, w when do you do your weekly review? I love to do it on Fridays. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I try to, to work in the mornings and have my calls and, my, and, and some task uh, things. And after lunchtime, um, I sit down, I clean my desk, um, 
-hmm. I empty all physical bins where I have uh, papers, notes, and whatever. Um, I process my email inbox to zero. Processing doesn't mean completing it, um, but it means for me um, identifying what each piece of stuff, may be a piece of paper with a note or an email means, and what is um, a physical next action um, to fulfill this thing. So really going into a, in, in, into a granular way of identifying next actions and also finding projects. And this is what I'm doing on Fridays. And after this cleanup, um, I review my calendar and all my task lists. Um, and I, I, have a, I have a comprehensive system which, with different task categories um, derived from GTD. And my most um, favorite category is the waiting for category because I put in everything I'm waiting for from, mm -hmm. from, from any person. And I'm reviewing that on Friday and checking out whether I got the things uh, um, they committed um, and I w I'm, I'm waiting for. And if something seems like, oh, I have to follow up on this, I write a mail and and um, this is uh, my recommendation. I don't send it out on Friday afternoon. Uh, I just keep it oh. and I send it out on Monday mornings because um, you know there's two reasons, an altruistic reason and an egoistic reason. <laughs> the altruistic is that I don't want, want to bother people on their Friday afternoon when they are together with their friends, families, or whatever. And the egoistic one is, um, I don't want to be bothered either. Um, <laughs> and uh, to avoid monkey business on Friday afternoon to get an email back with, oh, that's my question, I need it. Um, so I avoid that, I put it on my, um, on my list and I send them out on Monday mornings. <laughs> nice. Um, many listeners, uh started a weekly review routine and um, many complain about falling off the wagon after a couple of weeks you are an a very um, senior coach on this what what are the main maybe errors or the main problems mm -hmm that you that you know about the weekly review and mm -hmm. what, what can people do to really stick to it every week mm -hmm. um i try to answer with the experience i got with coaches and, and also mm -hmm. myself my experience is when you fall off the wagon with your weekly review you didn't notice that you fell down already earlier and not with the weekly review when you're at the weekly review and you don't have something stable to review that is the let's say the, the 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 point where most people fall off the wagon as you say um because they have nothing to review and they didn't follow up and they didn't nurture their system with next actions and project lists um during the week and if you don't have the content it gets harder to follow for the weekly review that's mm -hmm. that's one reason but just as an idea maybe that helps you one or the other listener um mm -hmm. the second reason for me is um that people say, oh, I don't have time. That means that for me, they did not maybe during the week consciously plan their week or there was too much unplanned work, which could happen. It's not about blaming. It's just describing situations. And that on Friday, a lot of people try to compensate what they didn't manage to fulfill during the week. Mm -hmm. And then they say, I don't do the review. It's better for me now to fulfill that work and to 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 complete my um, my task lists rather than sitting down on a meta perspective and reviewing what I have because I have still to do some things. Uh, this is um, 
this is what this is what I experience. Um, and what I recommend is um, plan more consciously during the week. Write down everything. So really use and complete the, and 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 and. Um, uh, fill the system constantly whenever you have a thought, whenever you have a, a new thing, that it makes fun when you look on Fridays um, through your through your system and say, hey, that's great what I what I achieved this day. Uh, I promise when people manage to do a weekly review four times in a row by also nurturing their system during this month, it is harder for them not to do the weekly review than doing the weekly review. So four times, this could be a, a small goal for the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is your mm-hmm. project. Um, that, that could mm-hmm. be a project in a GTD um, language. We could say the, the project is uh, uh, conduct a regular weekly review for for one month. Yeah, and 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 um, and then try it out. And when people say, "I didn't have the time on Friday." Um, you know, my definition of not having time is I don't have a priority. Mm-hmm. If somebody says I don't have time for that, it's okay, but then it's not having not the time. It's I didn't prioritize it. For me, it's not a priority. And um, and people should not rush through the weekly review. They should really take time and not like, oh, I have 40 minutes, now I do it quickly and then I do some other tasks. When I do the weekly review, I'm really sitting down and, and trying not to work on that list. I'm just mm-hmm. reviewing. It's my map. It's not the territory, but it's the map where I get a good feeling about mm-hmm. the territory I'm in. And when I'm through it, I start thinking about the next week, and then I finish the week. That's mm-hmm. how I do it. Um, and I don't work after that. And people ask me and say, hey, Sabri, but if I feel in the review that I forgot something, I see in the review that I forgot something very, very important, what do you recommend? I say, then do it, of course. And when I see a second thing which I didn't complete and I have to do really urgently, I say, then do it. And when they ask for the third thing, I see maybe when you have the third thing you didn't see, um, you should think about reviewing your system overall. Beautiful. Let's talk a little bit more about this time and feeling of having time, not having time, because this bothers, of course, like everybody at the mm. moment, right? So, of course. Um, and you... You say very clearly it has to do with priorities. So mm-hmm. can you tell a little bit more about how, how you think about time and priorities? Mm. Um, when I worked um, in, in multinational companies, um, I was always confronted with uh, priority mm-hmm. lists. When I when I look back today, I say having a priority list does not mean having priorities. Having a priority list means, um, in most in most cases, um, that I have a list of things where I'm where most people are not quite sure whether this is important or urgent, and that is uh, very often misused. Um, I think I don't have a priority list. Maybe we do it this way. I don't have a priority list. Because what I do is every day I look on my map, means on my system, on my tasks and my projects, and I decide on the day what is the priority for today. Because when the two of us, um, Simon, would now set a priority list, um, it, it can't be totally successful because we do not know what our ecosystem has 
on surprise for us tomorrow or the day after. Um, I think this is a very important thing I learned from David Allen um, with his Getting Things Done book and approach when, when he says, you know, make priorities, make them consciously um, and try not to do priority. I, I, I don't say priority lists are a bad thing in general, but be conscious whether you are really having a real priority or if you're just saying, okay, today is Monday, let's say I finish it until Friday because from Monday to Friday that sounds somehow good, you know. Um, this is not an unconscious choice for priority and try uh, really try to find it out. And then people say, yeah, you know what, but, but there is a deadline on the date of X. I say, yeah, but then it's not a priority, then it's urgency, and then you have to do it until then, but that doesn't mean prioritizing. Prioritizing for me means what do I feel is really important and impactful? This is my definition of priority. When I prioritize, I always look on, is it important and is it impactful? And, and the most impactful tasks and projects um, and the most important ones, which has to do with impact, this is then what comes on top of my priorities. And, and the rest, the only urgent, but not important, not impactful, I try to make space uh, every day um, in, in blocks, let's say 20 minutes, um, three times a day. I, I, I work a little bit with the Pomodoro principle. Um, I use an app which is called Flow Timer, so you have a 25-minute um, um, interval. I put it on. It's, it's visible on the table, so you can see the, um, the time running down, which is not only important for me but for my colleagues because when they come in and see this app ah. is on, this Pomodoro interval, they don't bother me, and we do it. We do it. We do it. We, we do it mutually. Okay, we have it on the table. You can see it on the iPhone or on your whatever smartphone, um, and they see and say, "Ah, okay, it, he's on," and and let let don't bother each other. Um, so that's the one thing. And in this in this interval, in this twenty five minute or twenty minute parts, I try to really um, uh, nail down all this stuff which is not necessary, not important, not urgent. Um, and, and I do it, um, and my recommendation is do it because it has to be done, but sometimes think about if really all of them need to be done the next time or if you can cut it out and eliminate for, for, for you know, if I always feel pressure on doing something which I don't see a, a purpose in or it doesn't pay into my roles or into my goals, then I try to eliminate it. Sometimes we should do it because otherwise we run and run and run and after a couple of years we ask ourselves, why did I, why did I do this every day? because I didn't think about to eliminate. When you you say you have a work-life system, uh, which time horizons do you think about there? And do you have something like planning or is it more... Uh, what was the first part of the sentence, um, Simon? Sorry, I didn't get it. your work-life system and yeah. which yeah. time horizons you you particularly think about are they very long term or, or mid term or short term when you talk about time horizons what do you do mean you like your life in the next 10 years and five years and three years or do you have oh, yeah. a more yeah good question of doing that? yeah maybe both of it um <laughs> what the the what i what i really do is um i i spend a lot of time when you know 5 years ago i left a multinational company i worked with daimler financial services and 
I left it to, to become an entrepreneur and to become a partner of SIT Partners. And I, I spend a lot of time thinking about my purpose. So who I am, um, what do I stand for, you know, so what we talked at the beginning um, of this interview. And um, I phrased it and I review it every year. That's what I'm really doing. I'm, 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 some guy, I'm one of these New Year's Eve uh, sentimental guys. So every New Year's Eve, I, I, you know, I try to get out for two or three hours somewhere where I'm alone and I'm reviewing my year. And um, I'm reviewing the purpose and asking myself if this purpose is still impactful for me and for others. This is what I do. So this is talking about my life and, and what I want to do, so the purpose part. The second horizon for me is the vision where I'm looking on what are my ambitions for the next three to five years? What do I really want to achieve on private life, on personal, on business? And this is what I'm doing on the next level. So for, I, I'm doing a little bit, uh, you know, a personal strategy process, mm-hmm. having the purpose, the vision, um, reviewing my 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 values. Do I, you know, what was there? Have I been good in integrity? So doing what I what I'm saying and what I'm thinking, and and you know, um, complying to my to my personal values, or did I maybe go away from them because I had the opportunity to make a made a a financially attractive uh, deal with a, with, a, with a client, um, which may happen in life. I'm not saying we are perfect, but I can review it and say maybe that was not a good one. So this is what I do on a three to five years horizon. And then I'm really um, regularly, my project list is containing things which have a maximum duration or a maximum um, uh, time frame of 12 to 18 months. So this is what I frame as projects. Could be within two weeks, but could also be something within 12 or 18 months. Um, and these are the horizons, how I split them, and this is the dimensions I put at it, which is also derived from the, from the GTD methodology, which is called the mm-hmm. um, horizons of focus. You know, I have a purpose focus, I have a vision focus, uh, I have a goal focus, and then I match it with my roles. What I recommend to everyone is write down what do you think, which roles do you have? You have a role as a father, you have a role as a husband, you have a role as a son or a daughter, you have a role as a CFO, you have a role as a trainer. Review it and really check out whether you are filling them, these roles, with, uh, with, with passion and, um, yeah, with, with the right goals. Mm-hmm. What do clients buy when they buy your offerings? They buy the opportunity to get more clarity on their processes and on their strategy when they have one already or to find a way to build a new one and on the productivity and specifically on the on the productivity coaching side um, I aim to give the people mental space to help them to gain mental space and if they pay money to us and they get mental space and they say, you know what, I have much more space to think about the things which are really important for me. Or when they say the money I paid, I got uh, for the money I paid, I got more clarity on our strategy. Um, then that means that uh, I fulfilled our purpose and our vision of working with clients. So clarity and mental space. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Clarity and mental space. What is your biggest fear at the moment and how do you dance with it? How do you hold it? 
Mm, when 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 I hear that question, I'm thinking about you know, does Simon now expect a real hard-coded business answer, or does he? Uh, so, or what does he expect? But I can't. <laughs> I say how I think it is. So you have now the chance to, to specify or to let it go with what I'm answering. <laughs> um, um, exactly. Okay, you're not interrupting, so I go ahead. No. Um, I think it's very no no. It, I think it's very important that mm -hmm. when we work in organizations, mm -hmm. let's, let's make it a business life answer. When when people work in organizations um, or live, we live. We not only work. We live in organizations. Think about you know. I know you, Simon. You are spending um, more time, uh, so time wise, during the week with clients. Um, so you not only work with them, you live with them. You are staying abroad uh, from home and whatever. So it's not only working, it's living with them. And when you live with people together in organizations or somewhere else, I think it's very important that everybody has his freedom and his autonomy to act mm. and to respect each other. And this is what we also want to provide with our work at SIT Partners and also at Next Action Partners to get more conscious um, and... and um, and to be respectful and not um, um, harming other people. And my biggest fear is that I lose my autonomy and the biggest fear is that I'm hurting other people. And, um, you know, but, but I don't want it, but it happens sometimes. I, I, I think it's for everyone, uh, for every person in life. And to build this consciousness, how do I dance with it? I'm, I'm consciously trying to find it out and to ask people for that. Um, and... Because when I look at the at the world, actually, what happens in in different countries, and especially now in in Germany, you know, the rights went to the parliament the first time after the Second World War, uh, since the Second World War. Then I'm I'm looking at organizations and what happens to them. And the biggest fear is that we can have a lot of democracy and freedom. I have a lot of friends in Turkey. Mm -hmm. So from my name, so I'm half Turkish or I'm full Turkish and full German, whatever. Um, I I have. I have real friends who were sitting in jail and they didn't know why. And having freedom and democracy and the opportunity to act and to bring impact to the world, this is the biggest value we have. And it's my biggest fear that we can lose it one day if we are not looking at it consciously. And the dance, I like the dance metaphor. Um, I try to be a role model. I'm, I'm not, you know, I cannot impact people like uh, Obama could or Merkel can or whoever. Uh, I can just try to be a role model maybe for my kids and for the ecosystem I'm living in. And if I manage it there, maybe it has a little bit impact on the rest of the things. And that's the dance I try to um, I try to provide on the floor. Very powerful. I have the strong feeling I would I would love to cut this interview right now to go running and just to hear it a couple of times because it's so moving. It's it's um, every sentence you say. Uh, brings brings up lots of of um, ideas at the moment and um, but i still have a couple of questions <laughs> yes yeah. how will you measure thank you for that life? comment um maybe it's too easy but but i try to make life simple by the love and the trust i receive because when i receive love and when I receive trust from other people, that means that um, maybe I was also able to to spread love and and um, to be um, to be uh, trustful for people. So this is what it is. I measure my life at the end by the, the love, love and the trust, trust I receive and receive. Beautiful. 
Are there um, a couple of things that you have to do in a day in order to feel proud, to feel happy about that day? Yeah, maybe I'm disappointing now a lot of people who are looking for hard-coded productivity tips and whatever, but I can tell you what really makes me productive during the day. Um, the three things, to kiss my wife, to kiss my five-year-old daughter, and to kiss my seven-year-old son. And when I have started the day with that, with that attitude and with that thing, then everything is fine. Um, so, and, and uh, to feel proud. And so that's that's that thing. And and I'm and I'm a little bit sensitive to the. So that's where I'm proud. In the in the um, other parts of life, I'm a little bit sensitive when I hear the word proud because um, I can be proud of some things, but I'm I'm never the person who created things alone. Um, but where I feel good and happy, as you asked, is um, when we were able, um, when, when I was, when when I were able in teams I work with, and also the family is a team, and and also in at, at the um, at the office, um, when at the end of the day or during the day we can laugh, we find solutions, and we can really work hard. I, I think everybody knows this sentence: uh, um, work hard, play hard. I, I love this. I love to be totally overwhelmed in a in a project and being totally in the flow and totally tired but at the end of the day looking at it and saying hey i got a i got a step forward and i and i made a move forward and this is what really makes me happy then what are maybe current projects where you would say you are learning a lot right now with your clients mm-hmm. um I learned a lot in one. Pro- I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm learning a lot on, in a project where I started with the client a, a strategy process, a purpose process, um, and I, he was like I, I, I couldn't catch him really in a good way. So he it was like uh, he went out of the process and he was very critical and they didn't stick on what we agreed. And I said, okay, maybe it needs to become somehow, maybe it's his flow and it needs to be there. And if they don't have the purpose very solid, it maybe comes later. And um, what I learned is um, the next time I will be very radical in sticking to the process for the sake of the client. Um, I did the mistake not to do it. And then they run into a um, economic, um, I mean, a financial crisis, not a big one, but they had some issues. Um, and then they had no inspiration and direction how to solve it. They were more problem-oriented, what you asked me earlier. It was more problem-oriented working rather than purpose-oriented working. And I was I felt very guilty with that client because I said, if I would have made possible that they have a clear purpose now, then they wouldn't run very chaotic. And this is what I learned. Stick to the process as unimportant clients think a purpose is, it's the most powerful and most important thing to manage your organization. This is what I'm learning, mm-hmm. actually. A little bit with pain, but that's life. Um, and what really inspired me, maybe it's not a project, but I um, I went to a, to a master class uh, mm-hmm. for business model generation a couple of weeks ago here in Berlin, and I had the... Um, I had the opportunity to meet Alex Osterwalder, who um, wrote his famous book, Business Model Generation, which is really also very inspiring. 
and um, I'm I'm intensively working on um, progressing my personal style of building business models and trying to get a lot of uh, those things in I, I could learn with uh, Alex in these two days in that masterclass. Um, um, because talking about purpose and values and vision and all that stuff is very, very important. It's about the how we do it. However, I think it's about what we are doing and the business model canvas um, and, and a good business model generation process can be very helpful and joyful to organizations. That's oh, yes. also one thing uh, I'm putting my I focus on learning, actually. I use the business model generation canvas a lot. I used it yesterday with a large corporation with 70 mm -hmm. uh, people, mm -hmm. and uh, they were thrilled. It was very creative. Mm -hmm. So can you can you tell a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to to bring forward using this model? Mm. That's also driven, uh, maybe it's a little bit um, mm. driven by the trauma. Um, do you say that in English, trauma? Yeah. Um, by the trauma I had when I was working in, in this multinational companies. Um, uh, you start a project, there is a new business model, and people are calculating, and you have spreadsheets, and the controllers are... Are, are really chasing you and um, it's all about numbers and it's all about does it work and you are calculating and crunching numbers as long as it works and fits. Um, and this is what I would like to avoid with, um, with, a, with a, um, within a process. I want to um, make it easier and this is what the business model canvas really works for. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um, big crowd of people, as you said, as you experienced it yesterday, um, and also on a very high leadership level, um, helping people to describe in very simple, in a very simple storyline, what their business model is. Because when you are not able to explain your business model mm -hmm. on a very high level, let's say elevator pitch level, um, then you don't have a good business model. And the business model canvas, with its nine building blocks, really helps me, and I think also helps a lot of people, mm -hmm. to find the punchline of their business. Um, in a very easy way, and um, and and to see whether the building blocks fit to each other, and um, I think it's a very good combination of the um, to find out about the desirability of your product and your value proposition on the one hand, on the right hand stage, if you look at the customer side and all that stuff and your value proposition, and the feasibility on the left hand side about your key activities and key resources. It's it's very easy. You need one post-it for each building block. Um, and 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 that's really nice. And mm -hmm. and when I went to clients, I don't know what your experience is. See, my love to learn about this. People start to feel and say, "This is our value proposition," and this and this and this. And you can't see the canvas anymore because you have a lot of post-its on it. I think it's good for the brainstorming phase. However, at the end, every company should be able to have a business model canvas where you have one, or let's be generous, maximum two post-its per field. And that is your story. You can do it with Tesla, it works. You can do it with Nespresso. You see they have one post-it per building block. And uh, why should have any other company a dozen Beautiful. of post-its on each building block? And this is what I like. I experienced also yesterday. I, I, I help myself but by letting them do the first 40 minutes, like just downloading everything from their head. And then there is so many post-its. And then I ask them to present in 90 seconds a very small pitch in the, in the plenary. 
So they have mm -hmm. 90 seconds, they are on the stage and, and they say, okay, can I take the canvas with me? But I, I managed to prepare the space so that, that there is no room for a canvas. <laughs> so they are naked, basically, on the stage and they just have to tell the story in 90 seconds. Mm. Which, which is very helpful. When they then go back on the canvas, yeah. it's usually much, um, much more about the essence of the story, and also the dialogues uh, get yeah. get different and get richer. So I resonate a lot with that. Beautiful. Cool. But uh, let me give a final sentence to mm -hmm. that. I was really inspired by Alex when when he was uh, giving us that masterclass. And he said, tell your clients when they are trying to, to, to hide the canvas with post-its, yeah, that they should hard, in a hard way cognitive try murder. to avoid cognitive murder. <laughs> I love this sentence, this term. Cognitive murder, you're like, you, know, you, know, you need a lot of cognitive capacity to, to, to read all this stuff, you avoid cognitive murder. I love that. And I said, that would that will become yes, one and, of my mantras for the business like, model generation. Avoid cognitive murdering yourself. <laughs> yeah, of course. Beautiful. <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. Beautiful. Is there anything I did forget to ask you? No, I was so inspired from your questions. I really, really like them, and um, um, I. I um, I need to ask you whether you allow me to use the one or the other question for my life and for my process uh, because I really like them. Um, <laughs> great questions. Um, it's, yeah, it's cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. I wouldn't say forget, um, but maybe I would have liked to answer the question that people yeah. maybe say he's talking about purpose, 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 purpose. What is his purpose? Yeah. So um, it's. Um, I work a lot on this thing, and um, I want to make sure that the purpose for a person, and for, in that case for me, is a universal purpose for life, private, business, and for this interview and for everything. Um, and people say, you know, my purpose for business is X, and my purpose for private is Y. I, for me, that doesn't work. I want to have a universal purpose always for people, and um, I try to find out my one, so my purpose is being a good companion and finding good ones. And oh, definitely with that interview today, I found a good I, companion. I we Thank can you for that. Spread this pattern of co-creation further, and uh, also, of course, in corporations. Mm -hmm. And um, I really appreciated your ideas, and it I will really download this on my phone and um, go running regularly with it because it's very it triggered a lot of thoughts and emotions thanks for being part of the strategy show and you our dear listeners will find the resources we mentioned as always in the show notes as well as on strategiesprints.com if you want to help others find this show feel free to leave a comment on itunes and recommend us in your social networks Keep rocking. Happy day, Simon.